I'm Tommy Salmons. This is year zero. It was Saturday morning. I haven't been feeling well this week, so I didn't record anything. I was being hacking and coughing and congested and just feeling kind of yuck all week long. But there's been something on my mind. Sam Giancana was quoted by his brother as saying after the assassination of John Kennedy that this just proves there are no such thing as black hats and white hats. It's all a fucking game. And no matter who you are, this is where you end up. Dead. And I just, that's such a, a revealing quote, um, not only about what Giancana believed about the Kennedy assassination, but about, about those in power, those in government. Those working alongside the state that he was able to see through their charade and he understood their corruption even back then. That even though they tried to paint the mafia as this evil entity and propagandize the citizenry against the mafia that he understood the only reason <clears throat> excuse me the only reason that government did um, paint the mafia in such a a bad light was because the mafia was competition to the state and the state can't have competition they cannot allow for competition And as I look at the atmosphere of modern politics, that quote becomes more and more meaningful to me. You see these fanatical fangirls of of politicians of whether it's Obama or or Trump or even even Bush had his you know uh what they call a base which I think is a really strange word to use but but they have their solid supporters that never never waver completely loyal loyal to you know the party or loyal to this cult of personality and no matter what you point out to these people they refuse 
to see any wrongdoing that their guy or their girl was involved in. When you're sitting on the outside looking in, you realize just how ridiculous this is. You know, people like to compare politics with sports. And that it's it's a sporting event now. It's, you know, bread and circuses, you know, type deal. But if you're a if you're a sports fan, I don't know any of y'all ever listened to sports radio. Being a fan of a team doesn't stop you from from criticizing that team. It doesn't stop you from putting a brown paper bag over your head while you're at the game to show your embarrassment in how that team's acting and how that team's performing. Yeah, I think of uh, that scene in Major League. I think it was was a Randy Quaid out in the bleachers, and he's just booing the players as they come through. But he was their biggest fan. He was booing because he was disappointed in how they acted. And sports fans are notorious for being extremely critical. Monday morning quarterback, you know, type episodes where they're second guessing everything their team does if their team doesn't come out victorious. But with politics, you don't get that. Not from the hardcore supporters. Not from those that would support Trump and defend Trump, even if he shot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue, as was once said. But it's not unique to Trump. I think Trump has gone a long way in exposing it, whether intentionally or not. He's exposed a lot of the the um, just the idea and how ridiculous the the government politics are. He's he's shown that the button-down, puritanical appearance of politicians is just that. It's an appearance that their maturity levels are those of high schoolers. These are people that have never truly been challenged in 
in a real significant way. And it's not to say that they haven't faced <clears throat> some sort of obstacles or, or tragedy in their lives. But when you've spent 40 years in, in Congress, um, a lifetime in politics, never having to, to work a real job, never having to worry about money, because the taxpayers are footing the bill. You, you have these benefits to your life. These, I hate using the word privileges, but I, I guess that would be the best term for it. To where you can't be, you're not being held accountable for your sins. Unless those sins, unless you happen to be Dennis Hastert. But even then, getting a lenient sentence of 18 months for molesting several young men over the course of a career, and all you get in trouble for is bribing them to keep quiet. But, but you start to realize, once you, once you step back, um, as some would say, take the red pill, you start to see through the nonsense that is politics, that is the state, that is government. And it has, it, it, it's become more and more apparent since Donald Trump was elected. It's become comical in a lot of ways. But in this is as much as I enjoy the revelations and the exposure, the pulling back the curtain, showing the wizard pulling the strings, so to speak. I realize that too many people are view, view Trump as a white hat, as a good guy. You know, I heard Steve Bannon call him an imperfect vessel put in his, that position through divine providence. And I'm like, wow, really? That's what you call this? Because I call it a shit show, but whatever. It's entertaining, a lot of theater. And I was looking at this report that just came out, and I didn't read the the report. I just read the uh, news stories surrounding the the report on the Clinton investigation. And it just came out a couple of days ago. Wall Street Journal had a story. And uh, basically, what they did, and I find it funny that they keep doing this and they keep getting away with it, because what, they're, what they did is they walked this line saying, well, 
Clinton did have did use uh, an insecure server to exchange classified emails, but there was no intent to uh, break the law and to leak these classified emails. And we can't find any evidence that that she was hacked or any security was breached. So um, we're not going to pursue any charges against her. And so it's, it's a lot like the Comey statements um, during the campaign. And, and I'm looking at it and I'm like, they just keep doing this. They just keep walking this line saying, okay, we're going to give Republicans just enough to continue to demonize Clinton. And we're going to give Democrats just enough to continue to defend her. And when the Mueller report came out and there was no evidence that that Trump had colluded with Russia and had anything to do with Russia and metal and had 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 cooperated with Russia in any way, shape or form. But still, Mueller said, this is not an exoneration. He made sure to put that in there. This is not an exoneration. And then he had part two of his report. and He said, but. Even though we cannot prove that Trump had cooperated with Russia, there is suspicion and there is evidence to show that he possibly obstructed justice. So it gives the Trump supporters just enough to defend Trump And it gives the Trump haters just enough to continue to attack him. And you see the same thing with the impeachment. You know, you got you got a situation where Trump didn't openly come out with a quid pro quo. He kind of walked that line slightly. And I'm not I don't know if I by the fact that he was so interested in investigating Joe Biden as much as he was interested in the William Barr and, and Durham investigations into the Russia probe and into the Mueller probe and in the Mueller report and what had kicked off the Steele dossier and created this this pushback against him and the attempt to frame him as as a Russian puppet. I think that was more what he was going for, in all honesty. But at the same time, when you get Glenn Beck coming out with this two-hour you know, podcast or chalkboard episode where he's pointing out, okay, well, Obama administration was, was involved here. And these guys that were involved with the Obama administration in the Ukraine were actually arrested for meddling in the election in an attempt to assist Clinton and to get elected and yada, yada, yada. And 
you're getting and then you have the the Trump supporters saying, no, 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 Trump. There was no quid pro quo. And you have the Democrats saying, impeach him. He broke the law. You're getting just enough, just enough information to walk that line, to keep both sides fighting against each other. The same thing with Syria. Trump didn't actually pull the troops out of Syria. What he did is he moved 50 special forces troops out of northeastern Syria to allow Turkey to come in. Forced the Kurds to make a deal with Assad. Trump then was in communication with with Putin and Erdogan and Assad. From what I understand, there was a deal made between the four of them. Oh, and the Kurdish leader, which I can't remember his name off the top of my head. And there was a deal between the four of them for a ceasefire, which did occur. And now it's suggested that the ceasefire is going to be permanent, which is good. Great. Start to at least kind of normalize the Syria in some way, shape, or form. Not to say Syria was the perfect place and it was just this beacon of freedom, but quit murdering people and, and creating refugee crisis based upon the the desire to overthrow um, a democratically elected leader, right? I mean, we all know Assad is a bad guy, just like Saddam Hussein was a bad guy, just like Muammar Gaddafi was a bad guy. But there's something to be said about these bad guys that allow these secular um, states to to take place and in not having um, open slave market in the middle of the country or not to create uh, an atmosphere where warlords are fighting over control of the government, right? So... It could be a lot worse. You could have ISIS creating another caliphate and in re reinstituting their their powers over over this region at with Syria at the border of Syria and Iraq. But you don't have that. What you have is you have a situation where Assad is regaining control of the country and normalcy is beginning to to set in. And that's a good thing for the Syrian people, whether we like Assad or not, right? But what Trump did do is he sent in military equipment and soldiers to guard these oil fields in order to confiscate the oil or sell the oil or whatever he plans on doing with that oil. But even though it's on, it's, it's Syrian territory, it's no longer Syrian oil, right? So you have the Democrats walk this line. You got the Democrats on one side. 
oh, Trump put the Kurds in danger. And the, and the Republicans and the Trump supporters on the other side, well, what Trump did was, was create, you know, he made a deal with Turkey. And there's a ceasefire, right? And they leave out all the nuances, all the, all the differences, and they create this world, this binary world within their head where there's these, these white hats and these black hats. And the Democrats are the black hats and the Republicans are the white hats. Or the Republicans are the black hats and the Democrats are the white hats. And that's just not reality. That's not the reality of the situation. You got the same thing with the Benghazi trials. You got the same thing, you know, with um, with the 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 Clinton uh, impeachment. You got the same thing with the war in Iraq, and it's the same thing over and over again. They keep playing the two sides against each other. Your side is the white hat and the other side is the black hat. And I'm sitting here saying there's no white hats or black hats. All these people are psychopaths. They're all sociopaths. And it's all about power. And the other day, a group of Republicans stormed into the skiff where they were holding impeachment hearings, closed-door impeachment hearings, and caused a ruckus. And in this skiff, there's not supposed to be any electronic devices for security reasons. And all these Republicans stormed in there, and they're using their cameras on their phones, and they're tweeting, and they're doing all this, and they caused this huge outrage. And the first thing I thought was, <laughs> sounds like the Republicans have been reading Saul Alinsky. They saw the activists that the Democrats had set loose during the Kavanaugh hearings. And they realized, well, our, our supporters, our Republican voters are just average guys. They're just average people. They're working 40, 50, 60 hours a week. They got families to feed, families to take care of. They can't be mobilized the same way as, as full-time college students or, or professional activists can. So we have to take this upon ourselves to use the democratic strategy of interference and disruption, civil disobedience, whatever you want to call it. And we have to take this among, upon ourselves and do this in place of our constituents. And then I saw an interview, and I can't remember the guy's name. I think his last name was, was Byrne. No, Jordan. It was some Jordan. Um, one, of the, one of the reps that had stormed the, uh, 
the chamber, the skiff, whatever you want to call it. And they were talking to him. I think it was on Lou Dobbs. I think it was Lou Dobbs talking to him. I saw the clip on YouTube. They were talking to him. And and he just just blatantly and it's 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 funny what these people will admit. Right? I, when when you get when you get them in these situations it's 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 actually funny and it, I, I when they're trying to rally their troops, you know, quote unquote, whatever you want to call their constituency, whatever. And when they're trying to rally their supporters behind their cause, they'll admit things that they typically probably wouldn't have admitted if they had been in a town hall meeting, let's say. And it's a clip I haven't heard anybody else talk about. But anyway, Lou Dobbs asked him, he said, so, so what, what do you think you accomplished by this? Because I, I, he, he was complimenting him. He was like, look, it's good. I'm glad to see y'all finally grew a pair, basically is what he said. I'm glad to see y'all finally grew a pair and, and did something. But what do you think this is going to accomplish in the long run? And the representative just opened up and he said, look, Mitch McConnell put out a statement saying that we need to attack the process, that we need to attack the process and we need to to adhere to precedent set in in the past. But Mitch McConnell is as smart as he is, as smart of a politician as he is, as good as he is at politics, doesn't understand that this is no longer about process. This is about power. And we're trying to retain power over the Democrats in order to to push our agenda through and basically he's saying we're going to we we have an idea in mind what the perfect utopian state is and we are going to fight like hell to obtain power keep power control the entire government and push our agenda onto the American people, whether they like it or not. That we'll do whatever it takes, which has been a long strategy of, of the Democratic Party and of their activists. And it's so fucking funny to me that you see, I mean, I hear, I listen to a lot of different people, a lot of different ideologies. Um, I'll listen to, to Jimmy Dore. I listen to Justin King, also known as Bo of the Fifth Column. I listen to Scott Horton, obviously. And... 
and just to hear the different perspectives. Sometimes I'll tune into Glenn Beck and see what he has to say about these things. And you hear these different perspectives. But the one thing that struck me out of all of this, and I'm not going to name any names, but the more anarchist types of people that I happen to listen to have taken, decided that the Democrats are the white hats for the most part, like Scott Horton, obviously not, you know, anybody who listens to him knows, but, but for the most part, a majority of the anarchists that I listen to are giving the lesser of two evil, and this is just being nice, they're giving the lesser of two evil title to the Democrats. And I just want to shake them and say, don't you see the absurdity in this? Don't you see that what Trump has done is pull back the curtain to show us the absurdity? And he did it in such a way that is crude and uncouth. And has this reality TV aspect to it. But the, but the idea behind it isn't that, that Trump looked so bad. We all knew who Trump was when he went into office. What has happened is he's revealed how immature and childish Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton, this Jordan cat, and all these other politicians are in their in their pursuit of power, in their pursuit of control over the American system, over our lives, in order to force their opinions of what should be, of how people should live, of how the world should be um, shaped onto all of us. He's, he's shown all of us that none of these people believe in freedom. None of these pl- people believe in choice. Rush Limbaugh comes out and says, nobody cares about deficits. Nobody cares about the debt. Like, when is that conservative? When is that Republican? That was never what they said. They always, even when Bush was in office, I would hear Limbaugh complain about the debt every once in a while. He wouldn't complain about the wars, but he'd complain about the debt. Beck would complain about the debt. But now you have these traditional conservative talking heads. The biggest name in radio, Rush Limbaugh, coming out saying, yeah, we never cared about the debt in the first place. We never cared. Deficits never mattered. This was just a tool we used to oppose Obama. We didn't really care about it. It was a strategy. 
And you realize this is what Trump has done. He's exposed them all for being just as uncouth, immature, and crude as he is. So, yeah, there's no white hats or black hats. Trump's a horrible, warmongering, genocidal maniac, just like the rest of them. The thing is, he doesn't try to hide behind Puritanism in a $2,000 suit. He's like, I'm, I'm homicide in a $2,000 suit. I'm not anything special. I like to grab them by the pussy. I'll probably slap them on the ass. Who gives a shit? She wants her hair pulled. I'll pull it. I don't give a fuck. Look at these hands. And when he said something about my hands, he's insinuating something else too. And I promise, ain't no problem there. He doesn't give a fuck. He's like, yeah, I'm a dude. I'd may dress like a, a billionaire. My bank account may reflect that I'm a billionaire, but I'm just a dude. I'm nobody special. I don't have the right to choose for you. And in some ways, I respect that because what it's done to the political system. And, and, and how it's shown all of them to be exactly who he is. Trump is just a mirror held up to the elites so they can, and they see the worst of themselves in Trump. And that's why they hate him so much. So when, when you're tempted to choose a side, remember, there's no black hats and white hats here. They're all despicable, deplorable people. That's all I got for you. I'm Tommy Salmons. Late.